He's a native Texan, a student of Ben Franklin and John Locke, and he's a Christian conservative political activist. He's a true believer in the principles that this country was founded upon and comes to you every day to guide, advise, and lead you to become involved in the greatest political experiment in the history of our planet, self-governance. We don't get fooled again. He's Matt Long, and this is The Matt Long Show. Good morning, folks. So happy to be here with you on another gorgeous Hill Country February morning. think I could have walked out with my shorts on, but I probably could have probably would have looked like an idiot, but that's all right. My wife says dress for the for the season, not for the weather, and I have a hard time I have a hard time with that one. Um, we are foregoing. You may have noticed it the last couple of days that we're kind of I've been reshuffling the order of my program and what we uh, what I normally do in the first quarter, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, we're the same thing again. And until we get through um, the election season here, which is another uh, 10 days or so, then uh, maybe a little bit of irregular programming. But I want to welcome into the studio right now, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Krupa, Nick Krupa. Good morning, Nick. Morning, Mr. Long. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm so glad Nick is running for sheriff in Gillespie County. And now we've had a, a Sheriff Buddy Mills over there for many, many years. And uh, we've got some challengers uh, this year. And so I have interviewed uh, Ayala, Mr. Ayala, and we'll play his interview either later uh, this morning or in the next day or two. But right now we have in the studio Mr. Krupa and... Um, Welcome to the bunker. Thank you, sir. It's uh, great to be here. It's a little bit different for me. I've never been asked been on a radio show before. It's kind of humbling. There you go. Oh, yeah. No, nobody's listening. Don't worry about <laughs> it. It's just you and me uh, in this little room. There's, there's just don't worry about the millions of people out there listening. So we're going to start the, I'm going to start with a really big picture um, and a really big question. And then we're going to work it down to the county level here at the end. And so, the first question I have for you is, what do you consider the purpose of government? I, I'm not old school, but I like to think of myself as the uh, the old school Republican where government's supposed to uh, was it deliver deliver the mail, defend the shores, and get out of the way. Uh, that's kind of what I, I, I base my stuff off of. As far as me being a Republican, it's, it's about being fiscally conservative and really staying out of the working folks' way so they can enjoy their lives. Okay, um, where do you? How do you tie in then? Then the proper of uh, the proper role of law enforcement to the uh, the purpose of government. How does that uh, the law enforcement tie into the purpose of government? Well, the primary reason that law enforcement exists, or sheriff's offices exist, is to protect the constitutional rights of, of the the people and keep the streets safe so they can go on about their day to day business and either raise their families, conduct their business, and go to school, go to work, and all those kind of things. Okay. Um, are you familiar with the term constitutional sheriff, and what does that mean to you? Yes, sir, I am. It's a, it's, I brought the oath. It's in uh, Article 16, Section 1 of the Texas Constitution, it's the mm-hmm. official oath, and that's the first thing that the elected does is swear allegiance to the Constitution, not a party, not any one group of people and things like that. I think that's what the constitutional sheriff movement stands for. I can see why... It's become a hot-button topic because of the overreach from other aspects of government, and, and people have legitimate concerns about things, their rights being taken away. Um, I can go back to something as early as, like, 2005 when I worked for the Houston Police Department. Well, in times of disaster, 
um, city of Houston enforced a curfew or enacted a curfew through the disaster declaration. And effectively what they did is made it illegal for people to be outside, which is not right. Now, Mm -hmm. what I can tell you from the police side is we didn't need those kind of laws to basically enforce things. Um, That's where I've kind of seen that overreach coming from. And then, you know, if you give the government an inch, they're going to want to take a mile, I Mm -hmm. guess is is the easiest way I can put that. And I think that's why people are fired up about it now because they want want the sheriff to stand up for them and make sure those things they don't lose their rights you know that i'm gonna go on skip on down here to, uh, uh, because you kind of br- uh, brought it up in there in your opinion can a law or a rule uh, or a, a an order from the governor can that supersede the u.s or the texas constitution in other words can a law be above the constitution and we you were just mentioning the uh, lockdown or the you know you can't be outside which to me is above the Constitution. So is there a law? Can a law supersede the Constitution? No, that, no. That's that's just a one-word answer. I, no. Okay. Do you think, do you have the ability to, do you have the ability to um, understand and interpret the U.S. Constitution? Do you, I mean, just for example, the Second Amendment, is there any, is, can you interpret that or do you need a lawyer to interpret that? No, and, and, the easiest way I can explain that to people is the Second Amendment is the only one that matters because without that one, you don't get the others. Uh, I make a joke about, you know, people say, mm-hmm. what's your favorite amendment? I'll say with the seventh. And people are like, you don't think it's important to have a civil trial? For a, I'm sorry, a jury for a civil trial? Well, no. Mm-hmm. Without the Second Amendment, the government can take everything else away from you. That's, mm-hmm. that's just the way I view that. Okay. So um, if the... Um Let's see. I'm going to go back. Um, let me go back to the constitutional sheriff idea. And I know you're familiar. I've heard you. This was discussed in one of the um, events you were at, the Constitutional Sheriffs and Peace Officers um, Organization. If you were, if you were, all expenses are paid, and 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 you were able to attend one of these training sessions for TECL credits, would that would that be something you was that be an offer you'd accept? Sure. It, I, the the issue comes with peace officer licenses. T. Cole isn't allowing T. Cole credit for it, but that's not to say you can't go there and glean some things and get some information off of it. Not everything has to come down to whether or not uh, T. Cole, uh, Texas Commission on Law Enforcement Education. That's our governing board for everybody that's a peace officer. Well, if they're not offering the credit hours for it, well, that doesn't mean you still can't glean something from it. There's been numerous trainings that I've attended on a bunch of different things that I didn't get check marks from T. Cole for getting the hours for. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. All right. Um, you know what? We need to, this is break time, and so we're going to take a very short break, and then we get back. I've got a handful more of questions to ask for you. By the way, folks, this is Nick Krupa. He's running for sheriff in Gillespie County. I have interviewed one of the other uh, candidates, and I'm asking the very same questions perhaps not in the same order, but I'm asking the very same questions. And so that is where we're at. Um, do you happen, I should, I don't know the answer to this, so do you have a website or someplace that we can send folks to, for uh, information? Yes, sir. There, there's a, if you just Google Nick Krupa for Sheriff, there's a webpage, and then on uh, Facebook, it's uh, just under the name Nick Krupa. Nick Krupa, and that's K-R-U-P-A. Yes, sir. All right, there you go. Folks, so there you go. i got a couple of resources and um, we're going to take a very short break and uh, get the local get the local news in, and we'll be right back. He's seen a few skirmishes in his time. Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. 
The Hill Country Patriot. All right, folks, we are back. No more. We're not going to waste any more time. We have Nick Krupa in here who is running for a sheriff in Gillespie County. If you want some more information on Nick, just do a quick Google. Nick Krupa, K-U-R-P-A, for a sheriff, and uh, also on Facebook, Nick Krupa. So we were talking about the bigger questions about the purpose of government, the role of government, what is a constitutional sheriff. So we're going to bring it back in a little bit closer. I do want to go back to the Second Amendment because this has to do with a law superseding the Constitution, which was one of the questions. There's currently a federal law restricting bump stock for firearms. Now, I've never used a bump stock. Um, I have a friend who has and uh, says they're a blast. He says they waste tons of ammo he says it's just yeah it, it just it's a massive waste of ammo they're not very accurate but he enjoys shooting with his every now and then there's a federal law right now restricting that is that is that a, is that a law you would enforce if you pulled someone over and there was a bump stock happened to be sitting on that piece of plastic bump stock sitting on the front seat is that would you enforce that someone can correct me if i'm wrong but i don't i don't remember that being anywhere in the texas penal code that that's that's the role of the sheriff is the laws of the state of texas um if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. That's the deal with me. Is I'll have to look that up. If it's on there, then it's something that would have to be taken into consideration. But that's uh, I don't believe that's a law in Texas. Okay. The um, if the federal government or the state of Texas were to pass a very restrictive uh, firearms law, how would you look at that? Would you would you look at the Second Amendment or would you look at the Texas law and enforce uh, the Texas law? That's the <clears throat> the easiest thing to explain but the hardest thing to make people understand is that we're not going to have any business with that that that's that's on the level of the end of the world as we know it um that's ultimately why i think we live in texas and especially in gillespie county and why people like me left harris county uh if those kind of laws were 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 put in place by the feds i and i don't mean to sound flippant you'd be looking at bodies in the streets that's that's borderline civil war kind of thing And, and not to make light of it but the joke that i I tell people is that, uh, well, if those kind of laws came down, I'm pretty sure my deputies would be way too busy um, writing reports about guns that fell off of boats 10 years before those laws were ever enacted. That, that, that to me, is, is scary as an American. That I just don't foresee anyone in the state of Texas putting up with that. That's interesting you mentioned that because I think it was a county, I think maybe a county uh, commissioner's um, back here a year or two ago somewhere in Texas they passed a resolution that said that uh, all the guns in the county, uh, privately owned firearms in the county, had been lost in the lake. And uh, so that was a, this is true, this was actually a resolution they passed. And uh, yeah, I that same thing happened to me. I don't know how, but yeah, I lost all my firearms in a boat accident. It was it was horrible. It was it was a nightmare, Nick. I don't know what to tell you, so... There you go. Don't don't be coming to my house. Um, well, it, it, if I can expand on that, if, dude. Uh, so, if if people do their research on me, they'll see the kind of police work that I've been involved in, and I've I've done some crazy dangerous stuff, or that could be perceived as dangerous stuff as far as police work. Never ever have I done anything as dumb and reckless as going to Matt Long, Mister <laughs> Blue, or some other legal gun owning citizen's house to take those weapons away. That that is. 
Like I said, it's easy for me to say that because being in, in law enforcement for 20 years now, I if those kind of illegal orders come down, I've never worked with the type of people that would even remotely take that seriously. At that point, we're all going to be banded together. Okay. I okay. I appreciate that answer. Um, I have. All right. Let's bring it on down a little bit local. Let's bring it to Texas now. Senate Bill Four was passed and signed by the governor, and uh, during this last summer, is set to go into effect on March fifth. Now, this law uh, this law allows local law enforcement to detain, arrest, charge, adjudicate, and return to the border if someone is found guilty of being in the state of Texas illegally. So I want to just want I want just want to walk through a typical situation. So you're sitting on 290 and uh some guy out there east of town and somebody goes flying by 80 and a 60. And uh and so you light them up and you pull them over and um they got no driver's license. No ID, no bank card, no nothing. And, uh, oh, yeah, that's my cousin's car, you know. It's not a stolen vehicle. Um, it's somewhere you've got someone with completely no ID, which is to us an illegal alien, an alien in the country, uh, would probably not have any idea that was legitimate. What What do you do about that, and how will you handle that if this law goes into effect? It's going to be a great law if it passes the appellate courts. Uh, it, my issue or the issues that have been brought to me or that I've come to understand from working for prosecutors is, you know, the states had to step up because the feds aren't helping us out with this like they should be. Um, going back to the local thing, that that's that's why the state passed the law. It could be a great tool for law enforcement. Ultimately, that's going to be on courts a lot higher than ours to decide whether or not it's going to be ultimately enforceable. Uh, all I can do is say, well, if the feds were doing their job and keeping them from getting over here in the first place, you wouldn't have to enact local laws like this. So it could get a little bit tricky as far as the enforcement um, but going forward, yeah, it's, it, it seemed like it'd be very helpful to law enforcement. It's it's not going to be cheap. Would be the only thing I would tell you because 150 something miles from say the jail in Gillespie to the border, the closest place. Um, but you know, as far as spending the money, I always tell people if you want to make an omelet, you got to break some eggs. None, none of this stuff is free, and if we got to pay for it, we got to pay for it. So I've talked to some um, um, uh, uh, law enforcement officers, some sheriffs, none of them here in the area, so we're not stepping on any toes. And also I've heard from some county attorneys that are telling their law enforcement, look, don't even bother bringing these people to them because I'm not going to, we're not going to prosecute this. And then I've heard sheriffs say, what am I going to do when my jail is already full and you know where and how are we going to deal with this if it does end up that a number of people start getting arrested do you do you see any issues as far as the logistics of this law so our jail in Gillespie County holds I believe 96 people you have to per the jail standards you have to keep at least 10 percent of that open um for me, when the jail gets full, you kind of have to cross that bridge when you get there. Uh, there could be some things where maybe you had uh, PR personal recognizance bond through the prosecutor's office, not from the sheriff, um, mm-hmm. to get a couple people out. Um, the logistics of it could be tough if, if you're getting getting more than what the county can hold. Now, again, with the spending of the money, you can outsource prisoners and everything else. Um, as far as the prosecutor's not accepting those charges, I would just offer that that's why we live out here in the Texas Hill Country and not in Harris, Bear, uh, mm. Travis, and places like that where they're going to selectively enforce what laws they think are, are right, which to me goes back to the the oath you take. 
um, it's not on them to decide whether or not the laws enacted by the state of Texas are going to be prosecuted. It's their job to prosecute those laws. Mm, okay. Um, I have one more. Let me just check my list. I have one more question that, um, and then I want to give you a chance to give a, a stump speech, but this one comes right into Gillespie County. What are the top three crimes that you see in the county that need to be a priority in Gillespie County? <clears throat> For me personally, in order of severity, or severity not um, occurrence, sexual assaults, um, it, it sounds like a simple answer, but almost everything else after that comes back to dope. Um, people steal, people break into your house, people break into your cars, people do, you know, get crazy and everything because of dope. Mm-hmm. Uh, after that, so much of our county is... Um, Funded and fueled by alcohol, so we have a lot of DWI stuff going on, and and that, that's you know granted your first one of those just a class B misdemeanor, but the difference between that class B misdemeanor and a lot of years in prison is who you hit and how how they they suffer afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, those are probably for me the top three things. I've just seen too many lives ruined behind DWIs, dope, uh, but with the sex assaults, that's why I get on my soapbox about the training and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Um, Then uh, this is, uh, folks, this is Nick Krupa. You can look him up uh, on the interwebs, uh, K-R-U-P-A, and as well as on Facebook. And uh, I'm going to give you an opportunity here to give your best stump speech and ask folks uh, to vote for you. So, um, uh, Mr. Krupa, the floor is yours. A stump speech. Okay, so this is the what is it? This is the part that I'm absolutely the worst at, even after my public speaking. Basically, it starts vote for me and then tell us why, and then say vote for me again. I hate to (laughs) I hate to toot my own horn, but honk honk. Here we go. There you go, Um, folks. I'm running for sheriff out there because we deserve better. I I live out in the county. Those of you that have known me since 2017, my wife and I came out here. We always wanted to be a part of this community. I've been going out to Stonewall since I was a kid. Um, I've did my 20 years of police work. And I got to the point where I said, well, do I want to sit around and complain about the things that are going on or stick my neck out and, and try to fix it? That, that's how I got into this. I just humbly ask that each one of you do your research. Um, call me. If you have any questions, the cell phone number is 512-297-3088. That's been out there. All right. You better, you better slow down. I couldn't even write it down. Oh, Five, five one two two. That's an Austin number. Don't judge me for that one. I'm from <laughs> Dripping Springs. That's uh, 297. Okay. Three zero eight eight. Three zero eight eight. All right. I, I I truly feel that if y'all if y'all do your homework on me, you'll realize that I'm the most qualified person to take over your sheriff's office based on the training and experience and the knowledge that I have from the various types of police work that I've been doing since two thousand three or four. I'd have to don't get me caught in a lie. It's one or the other. That's right. There you go. All right. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for coming in today. Again, this is Nick Krupa, candidate for sheriff in Gillespie County, asking for your vote, asking for you to go do some more research on him. And uh, so, again, thank you for coming in to the studio. And, uh, folks, we're going to take a short break, and uh, I'll be right back. I will play the interview I made with Chris Ayala last night. Y'all stay tuned. We'll be right back. There's more where that came from. Matt Log on the Hill Country Patriot. I'll be back.
All right, we are back, and we have just enough time to squeeze in the interview I did with another candidate for sheriff, and that would be Chris Ayala. I did this interview yesterday evening. So um, here we go. This is Chris Ayala. He likes to be called Ayala, and we uh, discussed that here in the interview. So y'all pay attention. All right, folks, I have on the line with me Mr. Chris Ayala, who I think has been going by just Ayala for years. Is that right? That is correct, absolutely. And so, I, and it's just weird for me just to say Ayala. I, I, I grew up with more respect for that. So, Mr. Ayala is running for the sheriff of Gillespie County, and um, it's uh, it's been an interesting race so far. And uh, so, I, ha- I have a list of questions for Mr. Ayala. And um, so, here we go. This is the first question: What do you consider the purpose of government? You know, the government is definitely for the people. It's intended to be run by the people. They elect people to put them in a position that's going to make the choices for the people. And, you know, when you look at a government, for me, it's just a governing body, but it's put in place by the people. And if you are elected, you should always listen to the people and what their needs are. You may have to make some decisions that are requiring you to, since they put you in that position, to make. But in the long run, you have to look at the overall um, desires of the people to make sure that we're taking care of them in the best interest. So what do you consider then to be the proper role of law enforcement when it comes to the purpose of government? Can you tie your role as law enforcement into that? Well, first and foremost, you have to know your role as a law enforcement. You have to know the laws and how they work. But the basis of any law enforcement entity should be based on the Constitution. You know, the Constitution gives us a guideline of how we're going to do things as police officers. You know, just a quick example would be the Fourth Amendment and how we search or how we seize property based strictly on probable cause. So having a very good working knowledge of the Constitution along with the laws that have been put into play for whatever reason those laws have been implemented by our legislators, it's really understanding the Constitution and how we utilize that for the people. Okay. Um, can you uh, let's see? I was gonna. I'm gonna skip down to one here. Um, do you see yourself as had? You speak of the Constitution, and you mentioned the Fourth Amendment. Do you see yourself as having the ability to under understand and interpret the U.S. Constitution? Uh, yes, sir. I really do. I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I was a young uh, young man in high school, and I wasn't being the best in class. And the teacher was trying to teach me the Constitution. And uh, he actually asked me to step out in the hallway. He stood outside with me and said, look, Chris, I'm trying to teach you the Constitution so you really you won't have to act stupid if you don't learn this. If you learn this, then you can be a different person and you can become a valuable person in your community. And so I've taken it very seriously since that day. And so not only do I feel like I can, that I have worked with the Constitution in my 31 years in law enforcement, but it's still the standard today. Nothing has changed other than we just understand that that's what we base our first decisions on, are based on the Constitution. I'm going to stick with the Constitution for your, uh, for a second. In your opinion, can law, a law, supersede the U.S. or Texas Constitution? It depends on, what, you know, the, the bigger picture for laws. Laws are put in place based on incidents or things that have happened in our country. And those laws are designed, for example, the seatbelt law. You know, a lot of people don't like wearing seatbelts. 
and it isn't, I don't think, an intent to be disrespectful to the people owning their vehicles as the bigger pictures in play is to prevent injury. And, uh, you know, that is our job to prevent injury and to protect property. So I think some laws definitely have their place, but I think if the law is designed to hinder people from being free, you know, with their constitutional rights, I think that some laws can sometimes not always be the right answer. Okay. Um, are you familiar with the term constitutional sheriff, and what does that mean to you? So constitutional sheriff to me means that, that we – so the Texas Constitution and the U.S. Constitution are basically one and the same. The, the idea of a constitutional sheriff basically says that as the state of Texas, we the sheriffs have a lot of authority to implement or not implement what the, the state or what the government says to do. It allows us to basically make the decisions as the sheriff and as our local entity to what's best for the people. We don't have to, and it's been uh, taken to the Supreme Court with Sheriff Matt, that we do not have to do what the federal government says to do on certain mandates. And the example that was used was the uh, Brady Bill uh, that kept people from using high-capacity magazines, et cetera, during that time frame. And Sheriff Mack challenged that, and the Supreme Court agreed with him on that. So, you know, there's a lot of things that are usually put out that are mandates versus law, and there's and we're not – we are as a local entity, a local agency or office, as a sheriff's office, we're not required to enforce those laws of the government. Okay. Let's uh, then talk about a, a current federal law that restricts uh, bump stocks. I just picked I just picked one out of a few I could have named. Um, bump stocks for firearms. I, I have friends. I have seen a bump stock. I've never used one. I have a friend who who mm -hmm. says, "Man, there it's a blast, but it is wastes a bunch of ammo." Um, you know, he has fun with it, but he was. So this, if this, if this bump stock, is this something that would fall under the Second Amendment? Would you enforce that law if you saw a bump stock in somebody's front seat? You know, so here's what I'm going to say. Unfortunately, when I mentioned that laws are created or things are created because of an incident, uh, don't get me wrong, I think anyone who uses that type of item to cause harm, that's that individual. That is not the majority of the people out there who purchase bump stocks and do that. I think there has to be a sense of we we would, should go after the people that use that in an inappropriate manner, not the people that, like you're talking about your friend, that just enjoys the joy of firearm. Uh, I'm like you, though. I, I don't like to waste a lot of ammunition, so a bump stock would not be for me. But why would I be judgmental of a guy that just enjoys, enjoys going out and uh, thinking off rounds? So to me, that would be something that I would have to go on a case-by-case -case basis. Uh, okay. I think if they're sitting in a position where they're committing other crimes, and I think that has that should be why we're looking at the bump stock. I mean, I, I hope you understand what I'm getting at. I just think I, I do, I do. The average everyday young man or young woman or the or the, the family that goes out and enjoys shooting somewhat full auto, um, I think they should be able to do that. I don't think that they should be hindered because of one man's incident that created, unfortunately, the loss of life. But that's that one man. That has nothing to do with those good people out there that are doing the right thing. Hmm. Okay. Um, I want to go back up to the constitutional sheriff. Um, the there is uh, are you uh, you mentioned Sheriff Mack, and there's an organization called the Constitutional Sheriff and Peace Officers Association, and yes, they sir. do. They do training seminars all over the place. You can get the TECL credits for going to it. 
If all your expenses were paid, would you attend a constitutional sheriff and peace officers training seminar? Absolutely. There's no question I would. And, and you know, so I'm going to say this. I've, I've been researching this for a while, and even before uh, my thoughts of running for sheriff, because that was a big topic a year and a half ago. And, you know, TCO has questioned whether or not they'll give us credit. You know, I'm going to say this, and being in law enforcement as long as I have, I don't always need to take a class for credit. Sometimes taking a class is just about learning what's out there because you can never learn too much. I mean, and that's just my motto. I'm a continual learner. And I think it comes down to where even if it's a class I may not agree with it, I need to take it because then I might see a point of view that, hey, I just didn't see before. And I think that taking that class, I think, based on what I've researched about Sheriff Mack, the actual lawsuit that we filed because of government, and the outcome, I think, is I think every offering point. Okay. All right. I appreciate that. Um, let me see. I got all my questions out of order because you you, you just fed right into them. Um, I'm going to go back to a federal government or state of Texas. If they were to pass a restrictive law on firearms, I, I could see this happening on the federal level very easily. Mm -hmm. I, Right now, I don't see that happening in Texas, but who knows? Um, how how will you look at the, uh, laws like that? Do you would you enforce it if uh, you know all of a sudden the Colt forty five that I have is illegal? Um, would would you enforce that? Would you if you pulled me over and I said, "Yeah, I have a firearm," it's at the door, and uh, it's a Colt forty five. Okay, so what I'm going to say is I'm, I'm going to be with you on your first statement that I just do not see that happening. I think that, and I'm not to say that it couldn't. I think, though, that's where we have to look at the Constitution and the Tenth Amendment gives the state the ability to create their own guidelines for the state. And I think that the, our founding forefathers agreed that the overall group is the picture of the people, but each state should stand alone and make the decision that's best for our state. We have states that currently sell marijuana legally, we're not one of them, but it doesn't mean that they're wrong as a state or doesn't mean that they're uh, being uh, inappropriate to their people, but that was what the people chose to do. And so you have to respect that. So I think that for me, uh, I would I would really uh, step up to the legislators to say, hey, this is coming, what can we do for us locally? But man, I am not a guy that wants to take people's guns. I'll be that quite honest with you. I own some too. and. Again, I think that when we look at things that our legislators uh, or our government does, I think we take, unfortunately, a couple of incidents, which are definitely not something I condone, and we try to, to, to look at the gun rather than at the individual. So the answer to that would be is I would not enforce anything until our people had made a decision, and that's what was best for the, the state of Texas. Okay. Let's switch away from uh, the Constitution and firearms, and let's go to Senate Bill 4, which was passed uh, this last summer uh, by the legislature and signed by the governor, and it's set to go into effect on March 5th. And this a law will allow local law enforcement to detain, arrest, charge, adjudicate, and return to the border if found guilty of being in the country illegally. So... That is a law. It's being challenged in the courts. We don't know if it's going to go into effect on March 5th or not. So here's my question. This is one I've always had about um, about, about aliens in this country. So you, you, you're, you're sitting on 290, and some guy blasts by you going, uh, you know, 80 in the 60. So you light him up, pull him over, 
and uh, he doesn't have a driver's license. In fact, right. he doesn't have any ID. Yeah. In fact, you keep talking to him, you find out it's his cousin's car, and and he has no way of proving who he is. And you start to just, you know, I'm job even, you know, come on now, you don't have a bank card, you know, did you yeah. leave it in your pants at home? Yeah. Um, and so, what do you do? Do you bring someone in when when that happens? And if you then find out that that person, you know, they finally say, yeah, I stuck across the border a few months ago. Where where do you where are you going to stand on that? Okay, so let's just say this. Senate Bill Four is definitely something that's going to enhance what I believe already exists. So if, if I look at your scenario in a nutshell, uh, basically I have a legal right. I, I can legally arrest an injured for driving out a, a, a license, which that would allow me to get him to the jail to process him, to get him fingerprinted, to determine who he is. And I'm going to be honest with you, that wouldn't be whether he was legal or, or illegal in our country. That would be how I look at it. But mm -hmm. we have those people that are crossing the border illegally that are, and by definition, they're criminal. Um, I think that the biggest thing for me that I see as a positive in that is it makes it, it, it will make it a little easier for law enforcement to detain and take that person to be identified and to make sure that we aren't dealing with a, a person uh, similar to what we experienced on 9-11 that managed to get across and eventually do harm to our American population and our American people. So to me, the, the big thing that I like about that is it's going to make our job easier. I've been doing this for 31 years in law enforcement. I worked in South Texas, and this is the the crossing is nothing new, but we've never really had something that's going to make it a lot more easier. And I think that uh, I think the biggest concern for a lot of people or thoughts is that we're just going to go out and grab people that are of different nature, of different background, and we're going to start dealing with that. I do believe that Senate Bill is more in the lines of what you just said. When we come mm -hmm. across someone, we do a, we go to a disturbance or we have a car accident or anything that allows us to be within their world as far as reasonable, then that allows us to say, okay, they don't have any documentation to prove they're a U.S. citizen. Now we have teeth to make the next big move. And, and I think that's important. And I think the most important thing is, is I'm not allowed to walk freely across the country without any identification. They would throw me in jail. So I right. think that we need to be able to identify people wholeheartedly and determine if they need to go back. Okay. You know, I've talked to some sheriffs, not here in the Hill Country, not sheriff buddies, but I've talked to other sheriffs and law enforcement in the state, and uh, I've also heard uh, count, uh, uh, county attorneys and district attorneys, well, mostly county attorneys, who said they're not even going to bring charges if the sheriffs start arresting people. And I've heard sheriffs say, well, my jail's already full. I, 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 what am I going to arrest everybody that doesn't have any ID? Is, if, there, if this does become a, I don't know, logistical problem, is it still something you will stand by? Well, here's, here's what I said, and I've said this in several of our forums, is this is in the early stages, and it's an, an infancy, and that's why I believe right now is it implemented. There's a lot. I mean, here, here's what I'm going to say this. The, the, what I've said in the past, not all the people crossing our borders at this time are coming from Mexico. They're coming from all over the globe, and that's the way they're getting in here. So it's going to become a logistical question if I stop someone that's from another country that's here uh, without paperwork that's here illegally. Do Am I going to be required as the sheriff to have them 
flown back to his home country. And, and so I think there's still so much in this bill that has really not been uh, processed just yet. Uh, the one thing I will say about a lot of government stuff is it doesn't come with funding. So I think that's where the big thing, the question is going to be. I think that I, I'm going to say this, not that I agree to let anyone go, but I think you're going to have to pick who's your concerns, who's not your concerns. you got a guy here that comes back as a criminal in other states and other countries. That guy's going to need to be detained or, or incarcerated. And so that's where I think that right now we're just still in the early stages of how this bill is going to run. Okay, I got one more question, and then I'm going to give you uh, the opportunity to, for a little stump speech. Um, what are the uh, top three crimes that you see in Gillespie County that need to be a priority? And, and recognizing that you've been on the ground in the county for a long time, so I'm going to really respect your opinion on this question. So what are the top three crimes in the county? You're looking at illegal narcotics. That's going to be your first big crime. And then you're going to look at property crime, looking at theft, and, and the uh, idea of the property. And then the other thing I, I see, so let's say this, working with what I've worked in for the 24 years I've been with the city, but I work for the PD, narcotics is always going to be on the top of the list. The other thing that I think that we're starting to see is we're starting to see these vapes come in that are that – are, most people don't even know that they're holding something that's prohibited because they all look the same. You can't tell the difference between a nicotine versus a THC or a CBD pen, uh, vape pen. So that's going to be the biggest problem we have. The second problem we have is we're going to have a large fentanyl issue because of the fact that most things don't look obvious to the human eye unless you're a trained professional where you look at things and you say that. So the top one for me is going to be the illegal narcotics. And the second thing that I look into for us is protecting people's property. Uh, as far as crimes go, we are still very blessed as a county to have a very still low crime rate, but they don't happen. But when we look at property uh, crimes, we have them out there, but I still don't think that we're at a point where we should be totally alarmed. So I'm going to put drugs on top, property crime on three. But the, the main one for me is, and this is something that's been big for me, because I don't think that people realize how many actual sexual assaults that we have in our county with our young folks and with uh, our older uh, people that are sexually assaulted in our county. Uh, I think that's huge. Uh, working with the youth that I had, uh, I will tell you that most citizens in this county that I would that I know personally I would talk to, they say, you know, Chris, until I was on grand jury or participated in a trial, I didn't realize as much of uh, sexual assaults took place. So I think that that is a, a second one for me, is finding a way that we help youth and we help adults to get out of that area. Drugs is definitely number one, and then property crime is going to be on the, on the third level. Uh, I just got to commend our community because we have these things. We're not impervious to these things, but we still are a very awesome community. That's just the way I look at it. All right. I'm going to give you the floor. This is Chris Ayala who prefers to be called Ayala, and I think any kid that's gone to school here in the last 15 years probably knows Ayala. Um, so, Chris, give us your uh, your stump speech and ask for our vote, please, sir. Okay. So, first of all, I'm going to say this about the, the, the comment about Ayala. So, when these young men and women, when they call me that, it's very, very, there is no disrespect. 
I think it's it's a it's kind of more of a nickname that I've gained with my last name than anything. Uh, I, I've never had a young man or young woman or anyone say that and not take it to heart that it was negative. I always took it as positive. Uh, I think that for me, running for this chair position is just going to be an enhancement of how I treated these young men and women through the 22 years uh, that I was at the high school, just being able to be a part of their lives, being a leader, a role model in their world. I would like to bring that ability and the many lives I connected to to the level of our community. One of the things that's the most important thing I learned working with youth is they really just want someone to care. And I think if you take the time out to work with them, listen to them, most importantly, listen to them. Uh, I think our community needs that as well. I think that, unfortunately, over the past so many years, we've gone into an apathetic mode of leadership from our sheriff's office. And I think that's what's important for me is to get back to the community, listen to the community, and then work on how we can make things better overall community. I truly believe that a healthy community is a safer community. Uh, I think that at this point in our society, um, we've got to bring God back. We've got to bring that faith of working with people and helping people. But most importantly, um, people have asked me, why do I feel I was so successful as an instructor teaching criminal justice in school? Uh, I'm very passionate about being a police officer. That is something I, as a child, wanted to do. And when you get to teach or you get to uh, share your passion for something, I think it's just an easy uh, sell for these young folks and for the adults in the community. Um, I truly believe if you look at my past, if you were to go out there and ask people about me, they're going to say that the guy they met in 1999 is the same man that they meet in 2024, that he does care about the community he lives in. I am raising a family here. I married a local young lady I'm very proud of uh, that uh, is from Fredericksburg. And as far as I'm concerned, Fredericksburg is my home. And uh, I believe if you're going to complain about something and you don't make any effort to make it better, then you're just a complainer. But to me, by putting my name out there, by putting myself in front of these people and willing to do a job that would hopefully bring a better outcome in our community for us, that's where I feel like the sell is at. Uh, I love this county. I love the people in it. Uh, I'm very blessed to be here, and uh, that's where my leadership is at, is working with people. All right, folks, uh, the rest, the last 40 seconds of that had to do with me thanking him and all us all being really nice to each other. Um, but I'm running out of time, so that was Chris Ayala asking for your vote for Gillespie County Sheriff. And um, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back with today's reading of The Lint. Texas politicians fear him. He's Matt Log. All right, I am about out of time, but I do want to read the uh, day seven of uh, the observation of Lent from my uh, book, Celebration and Repentance, by my good friend Mike Sublett. And day seven uh, is uh, Wednesday, a mother hen, and the scripture that goes along with this is Matthew 23, 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you. How often have I longed, I have longed, to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. 
but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. These were some of the sternest words that anyone had ever heard coming out of Jesus' mouth. And, uh, man, the entire chapter of Matthew 23 is filled with nothing but harshness, confrontation, and condemnation. And uh, then Jesus uh, could hide his love no longer. He says, how often have I longed to gather your children together? Even to the most evil, he could not withhold his words of love. Y'all stay tuned for Lorraine. She's got a guest in the house, and uh, we will see y'all manana.